says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back for the first recording of the tip sheet in the year 2022. As always, I'm your host John, also known as 4020, and as always, is jo- uh, joining me Sorry, is my good colleague and friend 60s. Pleasure to have you on board for the first episode of a new year and a new season, mate. How are you holding up? Well, mate, it's terrific to be back and Happy New Year, of course, to yourself and to all of our listeners. And uh, let's hope that everyone out there has had a reasonably enjoyable Christmas and New Year and is keeping safe and well. And you are correct. We have a very special guest to join us for our first podcast of 2022. Let's not waste time and mince words, mate. I'll let you get right into it. Mate, we've been talking about our special guest today. And when it comes to the busiest men in rugby league, there'd be little doubt that Mark O'Neill's name would be near the top of the list. When you're head of football for a club which boasts more members than any other NRL franchise, has one of the largest pathway systems and fields premiership-challenging teams in both the NRL and the NRLW, it's a massive remit. Throw in the high-profile contract negotiations at the end of last season and dealing with all these challenges of COVID, and we have to wonder how many hours this bloke has in a day. We're certainly very pleased that he's our special guest in our first podcast of 2022. Mark, Happy New Year and thanks for joining us today. G'day, Craig. G'day, John. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, happy New Year to you both. And I'm um, looking forward to what lies ahead As it, uh, for season 2022. Absolute pleasure to have you on the tip sheet, mate. And now, 60s mentioned that uh, series of contract negotiations, Mark, and overall that led for a hectic off-season for the Eels, when you put it lightly. Um, you had the losses of Reid Marnie, Murata Niakore, Isaiah Papali, Oregon Kafusi, and Ray Stone for next year in 2023. But they were offset by the big-time retentions of the club captain, Quinton Gufferson, as well as that dynamic forward duo of Junior Paulo and Reagan Campbell-Gillard, as well as Hayes Dunster, Makahesi Makatoa, and some of our most promising young junior talent. But then you also added Bailey Simonson for this year and Mitrain for this year and Josh Hodgson for season 2023. It's difficult to know to where to even begin this discussion, but let's start with the expectation that the club might have had around some of those future departures. Yeah, so I guess the season 21 that we've just had it was a challenging year. We knew that um, it was going to be the case. Uh, our initial intent was to try and keep the squad together for as long as we possibly could. And the reason we tried to do that is because the group is incredibly connected. Uh, Brad and the coaching staff have done a wonderful job uh, throughout the program in maintaining and building, enhancing that con- uh, connection year on year. So having a consistent, cohesive group, you know, obviously plays into uh, successful chances and giving yourself every opportunity uh, to make the top four and therefore compete for premierships. So working through that uh, in real time, we wanted to make sure that we remained in the now and concentrated from a team perspective around the performances uh, week in, week out. And I've got to say I'm incredibly proud of the players, uh, the way that we finished the season off in arguably our best finals performance where we were still going strong against the Panthers. Unfortunately, we lost, but only by a small margin. And uh, to get the team uh, playing like that, Brad and his staff deserve an enormous amount of credit too. So there's there's a lot to like you know, how we did that in the moment. With that said about the players um, that, that, that we'd lost, 
you know, it did uh, we did you know come to a point where we would have to you know lose some players. So I guess it's a it's a function of the the salary cap as well. Um, but you know, in that same, we did we did manage to resign our captain and our two gun front rowers, which obviously will you know give us a great platform sort of moving forward and, and up to follow. So. It was plenty of challenges throughout the year, and it gave us, a, you know, a great opportunity to reflect upon, you know, how we've operated and built the squad and things like that. And, and there's a lot to like about it too. I might add, it's not just only the learnings that we've captured. Mate, there's you've we've just touched on those uh, retention negotiations, and there was a very strong message that the club delivered all through that process, which was about adhering to the processes and, importantly, keeping those negotiations confidential. From our perspective, having a cap-smart quality roster is critical, but those lessons that we mentioned, is is there anything that we have learned or anything that the club needs to tweak moving forward? Well, I think when you touched on there about the negotiation piece, it's imperative that they do remain confidential. They're between myself, the recruitment team, um, and the, the player manager, uh, you know, to get the best outcome for the you know, for the player, the individual, and the club, importantly. So there's mutual, you know, like benefit there for those perspectives. So, I mean, we, we had a look at, um, you know, all, all aspects of it, even around timing, you know, when, you know, we, we did and did or didn't act, you know, around tenure, uh, market values come into it as well, how you establish it. You know some of the tactics and even the challenges that were that were you know we'll be sort of faced with as well. There was a 17th franchise that sort of come to the table, which created a little bit of a false economy, if you like. They've mm -hmm. got another nine million to spend on players, and uh, you know players, um, you know would see that you know club as being appealing after spending the winter up on the the Gold Coast in Brisbane uh, throughout last year as well. So they've got to build a new roster and. And they need to talk to managers and players as well. So that created another uh, challenge amongst it. And, you know, at the end of the day, some of the players that, um, you know, the, that we've lost, they've all increased in value. So within the constraints of the salary cap that we have to, uh, you know, work amongst, you know, the player's value uh, has risen, and in some cases quite, you know, sharply. And rightfully so, and we're, we're, we're proud of the way that the players have been able to do that. We're equally proud of the way that Brad and the team have uh, got the most out of these guys. And, um, you know, that makes it, you know, another complexity as well. So, you know, we did have a look at, at you know, external factors. We did have a look at the challenges. We did have a look at the internal, you know, operations, as I've mentioned, some of those key headings there. And, and timing is certainly crucial around, um, you know, locking up players, that's for sure. Yeah, and just touching on what you said there in terms of the the increase in value of those players, that is surely a, the mark of the success of a football operation at a club, isn't it? That the players are suddenly deemed to be far more valuable than what their uh, previous contract saw them at. So, uh, you know, for... a for Parramatta to be developing players in that regard, there's that two-edged sword, isn't there, that you develop the players, they then come under the attention of uh, other clubs, and it makes it then difficult 
to retain the players. It's a, it's a validation yet, of the process, but it's also, like you said, a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because it comes yeah. back to bite you. Yes, it does. You know, and, and look, I've got to say, for all the players that you've mentioned here are terrific men. They're great people. You know? And when the time comes that they do, you know, leave the club, they will be, you know, they'll be going with our blessings and support and well wishes, you know, moving forward. There's no doubt about that. But we do have confidence in our system and coaching that will continue to develop players and add players into the top roster and to ensure we compete at the highest level. I guess this last three years, which ended our, you know, our business uh, strategy cycle, was a lot more competitive than the previous three years. But getting back to the player development piece, I think we're, we're Brad's entitled to feel incredibly proud uh, and his staff, uh, you know, and the environment that's created around here is that he's shown that we can take some players from our juniors, our pathways, and they can make their debut and start to progress in first grade. We've seen a few of those this year, if you like, Will Pettersini, even Jake Arthur uh, and others. Also, taking some, let's say, guys on the fringe of first grade and then, you know, developing into more regular first graders you know, which we could talk like the, the Makatoas, you know, of the world. And then really good first graders and, um, you know, they can take him to the next level and, you know, representative football. In the previous three years, we've had five origin players, right? We've had two extras uh, in the squads, if you like, in, in Reed and Regan Campbell-Gillard, both Queensland and New South Wales respectively. But of those five ones that played for New South Wales, four of those players made their debut. And one of them uh, in Blake Ferguson had to um, earn his spot back. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, it, it, you, you're entitled to feel a level of confidence that, you know, what you're doing in the coaching uh, um, programs and development of the players is actually working. And the challenge will be we need to find the next ones to make sure we continue uh, to do that because, yeah, you know, players being lost to clubs is nothing new. And, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, we capture the learnings and operate as best we possibly can to give our team and our you know our fans and supporters and members and everything uh, the best opportunity for success. So um, so that's that's where we'll go from there. And it is you can become a little little bit of a victim of um, of your your success. And when I say success, I mean in how you develop the players and the players deserve an incredible uh, a rapid amount of credit for the way that they're the ones that have gone out there and performed. So that's uh, fantastic for them as well too. So, but it does come, you know, with some downside. That you know, at the moment we've unfortunately, um, you know, we're unable to match or compete with offerings that other clubs under different circumstances uh, were able to do. Uh, Mark, I'm going to play devil's advocate here with this question, and it's again on uh, the the contract scenarios. There were supporters out there and critics who believe that when we lost certain players in the uh, in in that whole process right at the start of and that that should have freed up money for us to match the big contract offers for one or two other players who were later in the negotiation process that we eventually lost can you talk us through why doing something like that wasn't our process well, I guess, you know, the thing that uh, was lost on some people, I think, is is that a lot of the changes were for the 2023 season, okay? So for 2022, we're, we're intact and we've, you know, like added a few in terms of 
uh, Mitch Rain, Joey Lussick's got these, and Bailey Simonson, where um, where Fergo uh, was no longer with us. So that was the, always the important thing. Let's you know the worst thing you could do is play the 2023 season before you play the 2022. And when things change uh, and and players decide to go else or whatever, you've got to you've got to reassess. You've got to be agile to have a look to see. Okay, where's the priority line now? Right? Where's the positional need, and how do we best you know like accommodate for that? Because it, 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 you know, like to your point earlier, mate, we retained our captain Junior and, and uh, Reggie up front as well. So so they're three big ones. They'll be three priorities in any uh, list of players uh, that were there. So. Being agile to have a look and reassess and, and, you know, work out where is the best value going to be that's going to give us the you know, maximum chance of reaching somewhere between the top four and a premiership continuum. That, that was a, the mindset that we adopted. And, of course, just in any, any sort of process where you don't sign one player, that doesn't immediately mean that you just go, well, the money we were going to spend on him we'll go and spend this on uh, increasing the contract um, to, you know, player X because we want to make sure that no one else gets him and it doesn't matter what his value is or what have you, we're going to match any offer that's out there and beat it because that's where you start to get into trouble, isn't it, when you start to lose that balance in your in your salary cap. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's there's you do have to... I guess, um, you know, proportionally disperse the funds, you know, and make sure that it's, it's relative to the, you know, the player, the value um, and the contribution to the team. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, with, like I mentioned, with the addition of Redcliffe, a uh, whole new team, which has got, you know, nine million to have a spend that, you know, that won't be happening in future years. So there was, there was a little bit um, uh, circumstantial of that. That's not to say that, you know, you, you, you don't want to play, you know, market value for, for players or anything like that. Absolutely, the players are in the game for a very short period in terms of the context of their overall life and uh, they need to maximise their earning capacity as they should. Um, it's a very tough game. But, um, you know, the only intent that we operated was is what's in the best interest of the team, the squad, you know, and give the club the best chance of, um, of winning a premiership or competing a premiership. And that's a point that should be stress, Mark, is that oftentimes you'll see fans and stakeholders sort of taking a side here, but both the players and the clubs have their prerogatives for good reasons. Like the play, like I said, the players need to maximise their value because of the contract, sorry, contract, the, the window of their, their playing career being so small, but the clubs also need to be efficient under the cap, and so that's why you need to strike the balance on both sides. So there's no need to pick a side as a fan. You just need to understand where both parties are coming from. Yeah, and look, I mean, I completely understand, you know, a long time ago now, I was a player, not at the level of some of these guys that we've been talking about who were terrific players. But, you know, there's, I guess there's competing priorities. There's common interests. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And there's some competing priorities around it. And, you know, like it's it's a testament, you know, to the players, to the system, everything that that works. And when I say the system, not only the, the system with internally that the grads developed the players and made it better, but... That's the ideal function of the intent of what the, the salary caps in place for. Mm-hmm. So the level of the talent. There's other clubs out there that are, you know, losing uh, talent that are, that you know, like from now or the next, um, you know, two years. And, and some of those clubs have had, 
you know, the ultimate success in premiership. Well, you, you look at the Melbourne Storm, they, right? They, they've yeah, been well, well, picked apart by Cronulla and the uh, new franchise in the Dolphins. Yeah, well, that, that's a good, you know, case in point. They've had the ultimate success, success in recent years, i.e. premierships and things like that, where we've had relative success in, I guess, three really good, consistent years of, you know, we finished fifth, we finished third, we finished sixth. We've gone to week two of the finals every week, four out of the last five years even. So we've had the relative success and it's, it's you know, it makes it important that you, you know, perform at your best and maximise the opportunity mm-hmm. to contend, you know, for the premiership when you have, you know, the, um, you know, the roster and, and, and things going your way. Now, the Eels moved uh, swiftly secure their replacement for Reed Marnie, Mark. Josh Hodgson is their first recruit for the 2023 class. At this stage, though, is it likely that the Eels will enter the play market for other significant signings for the following season, so for the 2023 season, that is? Yeah, well, well you know, I can confidently say that um, every year, every single year, we'll be looking at, you know, trying to, you know, add value to our roster somewhere in some capacity. You know, there's it might not be, you know, complete overhauls and things like that, but always where you can look for, you know, improvements here or there, you know, that'll make you maximise your chances. We will definitely be looking for that. And we're excited for when, you know, uh, when Josh comes here. Josh is an incredible uh, footballer. He's got a great knowledge, great history, experience within the game. You know, played in big games, some of the highest stages, you know, like you can in rugby league. So, I mean, he, he will be good. But equally, you know, we want to see some of our, our younger players develop and watch their talent. But we'll be looking to add, as we do, every year to uh, the roster. Now, let's move from what's down the track to the present. We'll go from 2023, let's come to 2022, where we are now. How ambitious is the club when it comes to our prospects for this year? Well, look, you know, the first thing I, I want to make crystal clear before I go on and answer, because I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about it, but the first thing that, you know, I'd like to make clear is that we're not getting ahead of ourselves and uh, anything like that. You know, we've, we're training well. The guys are connected. You know, it's, it's a hard pre-season, like they all are. Every club at this stage of the year probably tends, if I could just say generally, tends to overestimate their, their opportunities in, uh, in the upcoming season, which is, you know, completely normal, I'd say, from my experience. But, um, you know, we, we do have a good roster. You know, we do have a good coaching staff. They're going really well. We finished the year off last year great. You know, the way the year that Mitchell Moses had last year by, you know, getting a taste in origin football and how well he played uh, in there. And then also at the back end of the year, you know, those final games, like really stepping up and icing the Knights' victory and, and putting us in a position to win the, um, the game against the Panthers. Uh, you know, he's one of many that have sort of developed around that. So, you know, I, I'm pretty pretty confident that we'll uh, – or sorry, I'm very confident we'll be there or thereabouts next year. There's a lot of things that need to go in to winning a premiership. Like, it, it's very, very difficult to win a premiership. You know, and I think that can be lost sometimes on a lot of people. It's very, very difficult to win a premiership. And, uh, and you know, I'm confident that we'll be up there competing with the best, um, you know, at the back end and the, the right end of the season, the big game. So Now, just talking about the the big names that we've still got on our roster for this year and the strong the strength of that roster, we've got a number of players who are in their final season. 
and supporters have been assured that these blokes will be busting a gut to depart as winners. Are you confident that such a message isn't just lip service, that this is how the players are, are really viewing this season? Yeah, look, without a shadow of a doubt, there's, I'm really confident around that. And, the, and the, what gives me confidence to speak like that is the calibre of people that the ones that you're referring to are. Isaiah Papalihi is, you know, terrific person and the ultimate professional. You know, so, you know, from a personal pride type of thing, footballers are very proud, like any, any individual, I guess, in their, their line of work, but um, they're very proud and, you know, it makes them determined because, you know, they've contributed to the club and the club's equally contributed to them. There's that sense of uh, wanting to give back or leave in the right term and, uh, you know, and hopefully that's as far as we go, uh, you know, possibly go in a, in a competition. Same with Marana and things like that. They've, they've been here, you know, for a long time. They're, they're, they're good people. You know, it's not that they don't love the club or anything like that. You know, it's opportunities have, have come that, um, you know, that uh, have had, you know, greater appeal for, for whatever reason. And, you know, those reasons are, aren't, um, you know, to be criticised. They're authentic. They're genuine like the people we're talking about. So I think they'll definitely have uh, a big season and be motivated to go, uh, to leave on a positive note, you know, because the teammates, you know, they, they're connected there. They'll want to do that for each other, which is it's wonderful to watch. Now, Mark, you've honed in on the stability of the squad, but that fact has sort of been overshadowed uh, by all that sort of external talk because of the players leaving at the end of this season. Um, but... What's also been lost in that talk from, well, not obviously from you, but from the outside perspective, is that the Eels have made a couple of additions for the 2022 season. Um, we mentioned both of them in Mitch Rain and Bailey Simonson, but I want to focus on Bailey in particular. He brings a bit of premium speed to the flanks for the blue and gold, which is always a terrific asset for a finisher. But beyond that, how do you see his fit for the team and what made him an ideal target for you? Well, Bailey is, you know, First and foremost, a terrific person. He's when we first met with Bailey, he was so impressive. Um, the thing also with Bailey, he's a young man and he's played in a grand final. He's played in a grand final, he has got grand final experience. Now, we'd love him to get a winning grand final experience with uh, under his belt with us here at the Eels, but he, he brings you right about the speed. He's got a great attitude. He's you know on the bell curve in terms of his best football is ahead of him. And, you know, he, he can play a few positions as well, not just the wing. Mm. And, you know, we think that he's at a great age that can grow with our guys behind our forward pack, with our, you know, leaders as well, Gutho, Mitch and, um, and others, and bring the best out of him. And, and I believe you'll be, you'll be seeing Bailey play his best football yet in the blue goal colours. I think it's fair to say that the Eels have a pretty good system for wingers. We've seen a lot of guys sort of develop their careers here, going back to semi, more recently Micah. Um, the way we sort of utilise our our edges seems to bring out the best in our flankers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely about that. And it, it's again, it's the it doesn't just sort of happen by uh, chance and things like that. You know, the, the coaching staff, the players, Brad, they put an incredible amount of time and effort into the, the technical aspects, the tactical aspects. And I guess not only of the of the you know the wingers, but I know that's the, the subject of the question right now. But it's also all the players they do. There's no stone left unturned in, in terms of their preparation and just getting that rugby league education, that continual you know touch point around the knowledge, whether it's 
you know, November 1, pre-season or, you know, January 27th uh, or even June the 3rd in the season. It's just that continuous improvement mentality where you keep striving for perfection um, has really paid off. I want to touch on now the other addition to the squad for this year, Mitch Rain, who fills the space left by Joey Lussick. Now, last year, we lost all three dummy half options before the final Which series. Is that's insane. <laughs> maybe that's not a scenario that's going to happen too often to too many clubs, but I don't think you get much worse in, in terms of luck there. But are you happy with our depth in that position coming into 2022? Yeah, look, I believe so, Mitch. Mitch will be like our most experienced player, Mitch Rain. Yeah, you know, like Reed's coming back from, um, you know, his, his surgery, things like that. He, he's on track, and we know how close Reed was to representing football last year. So um, hopefully, his bad luck in terms of injuries over, uh, and, and doesn't have another reoccurrence of any any type of injury sort of this year, which would be great. And then having Mitch Rain there as well, who will be, you know, competing for that position. He's he's been around a long time, and geez, he's looking really good out there. He's fitted well with the team. Below that, we've got Brendan Hands, uh, who come across young man looking for an opportunity from the Panthers system as well. Uh, they, we, you know, we know that we've done a good job with him from the way that he presents himself at training as an individual and with the team as well. So I, I know, you know, Ray Stone has played a bit of nine. Um, like last year and in the past as well, um, such as his, you know, commitment to do whatever it takes for the team uh, mentality. So I'm not seeing, you know, any any worries there about, um, you know, depth in the nine position here. And uh, you mentioned Brennan Hands, which ties me nicely into my next question because it's starting to get into my bread and butter. Um, I want to talk about club depth because 2022 is probably going to test the depth of all Royal clubs, perhaps more than the, the previous two seasons, which is saying something. Um, but perhaps the most underappreciated storyline for the Eels in 2021 was the, the success sorry, of our New South Wales Cup squad. Uh, we had a young and hungry team that was surging towards the finals the postseason uh, before the competition was abandoned due to COVID. Uh, do you think it's fair to say that our depth did fly under the radar and probably is still flying under the radar? Oh, look, you could say that, yes. Yeah, so when the season uh, stopped uh, last year in terms of the New South Wales Cup, we were due to play Penrith um, that day. And actually, mm-hmm. that was the first game behind closed doors from an NRL perspective when we played Penrith at Penrith. But that would have been a really good test to see, um, you know, how their New South Wales Cup team was going, you know, relative to ours because we were, we were going okay, we were building nicely. But Panthers were up there, mate, at the top of the tree as well. So it would that would have been one v one v two on the ladder at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. So that would have been a you know a, a quite you know a, a telling contest. But we you know we do have the depth there. I guess um, having you know Ryan Carr perform his role there as, as, as our, our development coach plus Canterbury Cup coach. He knows the systems. He knows what Brad's expectations are. Furthermore, he p- prepares his players extremely well. Gives them every opportunity to be the best they can be, and you know we like the consistency of players that he's brought through throughout the year. The Elio, Eli Zakahini, Elkazine, the uh, you know Makatoa's up front, Jordan Rankins, and the young guys that were coming through. Like Jake, when he was there, Jake Arthur was playing unbelievably, and they got a lot of confidence out of that. So um, yeah, it, we've got some depth there, and I do agree that 
this year it will be tested more more than ever, and uh, I think it'll be it'll be the best squad that wins the premiership in 2022, not just the best 17. I think if it's if it hasn't been that already in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which sort of leads us into the next couple of questions because that current scenario is is really the challenges that are going to be faced by uh, COVID. And after that, the last two years, the the NRL and clubs like Parramatta and all the well, all the NRL clubs did outstanding work following protocols and procedures. But now COVID is it's at its infectious worst. And it has infiltrated NRL clubs. There's no hiding that. How are the Eels managing any current disruptions? Yeah, well, I guess you you need to have an agile mindset. You need to be able to pivot, readjust at short notice, uh, because none of this is ideal. It's not the you know the, the the COVID that is. It's nobody's fault. Like it's not the NRL's fault, or it's not the you know, the, the Eels, we just need to make sure that we adapt as best we possibly can to the circumstances that are presented in front of us. So internally, we've done some contingency plans around if, you know, staff or players go down with COVID, who can fill the role, who, you know, who's the pool of people that can fill the role to make sure we don't miss a beat, identifying those. And also, the other benefit of that is if, if Apollo restrictions come in and they're too uh, demanding for some of our people, how do we, you know, enable them some time off, have a break? Who can cover their role? Uh, reconnect with family or the outside life consistent with the New South Wales government if possible and so that they can come back in refreshed um, and continue on. So because there, there was a burnout element, I believe, from uh, last year and the toll it took on some of not only our people but, you know, all of clubs, you know, the NRL's people. So having sort of some plans and scenarios and pressure testing, keeping the conversations going uh, is a way that, that we're looking at um, to best manage those disruptions when they occur, whatever they may be. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned agility, Mark. Um, I'm a big fan of American sports, as listeners of the podcast would know. And over there, the NBA, the NFL, the major codes, they've been sort of rolling with the punches when it comes to COVID outbreaks and impact of franchises there. Games have been rescheduled where it was possible, but more and more increasingly so teams are sort of being forced to play without a suite of stars and starters and just sort of just relying on you know a whole swathe of next men up um, do you foresee the same thing happening for NRL this year or is there a different sort of plan in the makings do you think well look that's certainly a possibility and hence the the, the reason saying about um, the squads playing a bigger part in that this year if games mm-hmm. get um, relocated or, or postponed uh, we will just have to deal with that you know, when it comes and, you know, we're, we're quite aware of the fact that, you know, there's things that are out of our control that we can't do and uh, there's things that's in our, in our control that we need to focus on and that's what we need to focus on, getting the, the top team ready each and every week but also, and even times like now in the off-season, the beauty of that is, you know, putting a lot of time into the other players, um, you know, let's say from outside a, a regular NRL player uh, or one that contributed last year at least, so they will have the confidence, they'll feel the connectivity and um, have the, you know, the, the technical now some capability to jump in, do their job and know that they're contributing to the overall success of the, of the group. Uh, good answer, Mark, and we'll, we'll pivot away from COVID because it's always a bit of a depressing topic to talk about. Um, but while all the water cooler talk was around the additions and losses of the players, 
The Eels made some big-time additions to their coaching staff this year, mate. Uh, Michael Ennis and Paul McGregor bring plenty of experience as consultants, while Simon Wolford is a very highly credentialed coach for the Jersey flag. How has their fit been with the club so far? Yeah, really good, really good. Look, Paul McGregor is someone that I've known personally for many, many years. Uh, he's a great asset to have on board. We feel, uh, you know, very grateful to be able to have his services. He's a great sounder board too for DA. Uh, like, he's had that head coach experience. He knows what it's like to to live in the, the hot seat. And I think unless you've walked in those shoes or experienced that role, you know, we can assume we, you know, what it would be like, but you don't really know. So Paul can add a lot of value to Brad's thinking around around that, and he's doing that now, notwithstanding the value that he adds from his own knowledge in terms of passing that on to players and coaching and so on. Michael Ennis comes with, you know, a, a, a level of enthusiasm and a com- commitment you know, and a desire to succeed that's like it was when he was a player. It's matched by few, few in the game. So, you know, he's already been doing some work through out our pathways, not only the NRL guys, but, um, you know, he's very, very committed here. And he's another one that we're delighted to have someone with his resume, his background, but importantly, his desire to contribute and add value on our roster. So we're, we're grateful to have him. And Simon, it's uh, I don't often call him Simon. It, it seems strange. <laughs> that nickname Germ. And uh, when I did the introductions when he got here, I was introducing him as Simon. And, you know, he's he's someone that I've known for like thirty years. He just said, "You've never called me Simon." It, <laughs> it does sound funny, but but he's he's doing a wonderful job with the flag guys. We've got some good players coming through that are. Uh, there or thereabouts, but and not only you know from the flag perspective, he's doing a bit with say the high high achievers or we believe sort of the, the elite of the elite in the pathways to come through to give him every opportunity to firstly be able to handle a NRL preseason if and when that does come, and secondly, you know not only just handle it but thrive in that environment, give him every possible chance of ready to what uh, you know it would look like to be an NRL player. So we've got to increase focus on those pathways sort of players coming through as well. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to dive into one of the most exciting new additions for the Eels. Um, we've seen the entire uh, roster assembled for NRLW. It's been made official as of late last year um, for the Parramatta Eels debut NRLW season. Um, it features a whole swathe of New South Wales reps. I think there's eight of them total, um, as well as uh, uh, some well-recruited players from the likes of the Sydney Roosters. Um is the title in the first season, bearing in mind that there are two premiership seasons in season 2022, but a title in the first season, an unrealistic goal for the Parramatta Eels this year, mate? Well, look, I don't think so. And again, I don't like when we're talking about the, the men, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So the process that the NRL went through was to disperse the talent. Okay, so the, the marquee players were dispersed evenly amongst the uh, amongst the clubs. There's some new clubs in there and and you know, like I'd I'd rather people to focus and tell me like why why can't we why can't we you know like it's uh, Brisbane have obviously you know a very very good side they've been together for you know like a long time. However, we've got some individual stars on our roster as well, and you know they're another group that's very well connect, connected down there. Uh, you know with, with their training and everything like that from Dean Witters, who's running a very good coaching program, Andy Patmore who oversees the the whole stuff, you know, there's there's a lot to love about what they're currently doing. And from there's one thing I know about how important the the connect 
the connectedness is to uh, performance, you know, if that's an indication, well, they'll, they'll be there because they are very well connected. They're creating, you know, great memories. But um, in the first season, it certainly will be difficult. But um, what we do have, you know, in our favour is, is a very good coach, uh, committed playing group, uh, dispersed talent even amongst the, the you know, the, the teams. And um, we will give it a red-hot crack, that is for sure. We had a chance to talk with Kennedy Charrington late last year, and she's an absolute spark plug and a wonderful young lady. And we're really looking forward to the impact that players like her can make in the team. Yeah, absolutely. She's a wonderful acquisition for the club. She's great at all levels. You know, Kennedy, whether we you know, pull her out at a, at a commercial function or sponsors or training or a- anything mixing with the guys, but having the leadership too amongst her own team is... Uh, is fantastic. And you've got to understand because the women are subject to follow protocols as well. Mm-hmm. But where it's a little different to the men is that a lot of them have their own, own jobs, you know, uh, working elsewhere, which needs to be factored in as well. So that's a level of complexity that, um, you know, that, that some people may forget at times. And, uh, you know, I think they do a terrific job, like all the NRLW players, not just at our club, do a terrific job in being able to balance all that. Uh, and still have an opportunity to follow their dream as a, as a rugby league player. Mark, have you had any specific feedback from Coach Dean Witters about how the preseason's progressing for them? Yeah, yes, I have. I have, Craig. The specific feedback is that there's a lot of people, a lot of players down there that are performing really, really well, and so much so they're putting pressure on, you know, positions for that first team, for that first ever lineup. Game one, what that would look like, you know, is uh, is creating some challenges around there. So him and his coaches have been doing some, you know, like weekly capturing some notes. Who are the players that we could not leave out if we had to pick the team today? And uh, so that, you know, provides a good level of discussion amongst the coaches, provides a, a great uh, internal competitive, um, healthy rivalry among the players. And... Um, that's all, you know, creating a, a good headache, if you like, for Dean and his coaching staff, and hopefully that continues all the way up until, you know, round one, twenty um, seventh of Feb, and beyond. An expansion of the magnitude that the NRLW just had always leads to, you know, significant shakeup, um, which means there's a challenge for every franchise in this upcoming season to bring a new group of girls together and not only gel in terms of combinations, but also bond as a team to lay the platform for a successful team culture. And you sort of mentioned that already, Mark, but is there anything about our roster that might give our girls at the Parramatta Eels an advantage in that regard? Well, you guys have heard me mention about the connectivity, uh, you know, like in the past. We're doing everything we can. Our mantra for the first ever NRLW uh, program experience is creating memories and connection. And you do that about having fun, working hard, uh, sharing experiences amongst one another. So we've really put that at the forefront of our thinking and our mindset. And having the having the support around the girls from from a wellbeing perspective, uh, Aunty Chrissy, Christine Gwynn, has been a, a, a new acquisition of the club this year. Uh, but you know, making sure that we we provide an environment for the girls to thrive as best they possibly can, but also, you know, connecting as one. Because when we first come together, there was a few big names, there was a few young girls, and it was a little bit, could have been considered a little bit intimidating for some of the youngsters coming through, but they are just so well connected. 
uh, our advisory, RLW advisory committee, make sure that we uphold that mantra, creating memories and connection. And I think the guys are doing a really, really good job of that so far. So I think that piece will be important. And why it is important is because that's what leads to the discretionary efforts in game. In games, so when you're more connected, you're more likely to do that for your mate. Mm-hmm. And uh, these girls, you know, appearing very well connected, uh, similar in a similar fashion to what our men's team are as well. So, mate, I, I'd I'd like to back up what you say, what you said about Arnie Chrissy. I had the pleasure of meeting her a couple of weekends back, and um, yeah, uh, probably a better person for the role you wouldn't get. Um, lovely person, so switched on what she's doing so committed to what she's doing and and the other aspect i think too is just you know like it's rooted in reality what she's what she does and the way she approaches things yes absolutely like Artie Artie christie's had her own life experiences she's you know she's got her own children one of them you know played nrl and and beyond for many many years so she knows what it takes she's realist she's you know had a back background in you know case working um you know some of some people that um you know have had some issues and whether that's addictions or mental health or anything like that so she comes from a really really good place she's just a genuine authentic person and uh, yes and uh you know they're the kind of people that that i guess any organization aspires to to um to have in their in their business so yeah she's adding an incredible amount of value now and she'll continue to do that and learn to get more and more throughout not only the nrlw but the entire pathways uh program as well well mark there's been quite a bit that we've covered in our chat today and probably so much more that we'd uh really like to throw at you but in reality there is so much going on right now. Um, we've got the junior rep season that's about to start, a whole lot of exciting prospects in that. The NRL trial matches are approaching. We've got, as we've just talked about, the NRLW team are getting serious in their preseason. So just to sum anything up, that is there a message that you would have for Eels fans about the year ahead? Yeah, I, I think let's have a... Uh... Disclaimer up front, it's going to come with biased eyes, no doubt. (laughs) But there's an incredible amount of good work that's being done from a lot of people within the organisation. And, you know, having or running a rugby league club to the scale uh, of of this this club has, Parramatta, is very complex. And to solve complex problems, you know, you can't do that on your own. You need many, many people to contribute and play their role. So we, we are excited about the, the the pathways that you know from female pathways that'll take us through our development squads through Natasha Gale and, and up to the NRLW. Our pathways guys have been you know doing an incredible amount of work in the junior league in terms of talent ID development squads, engaging the junior league clubs, talking with them, um, listening, hearing some of the you know the challenges on the ground that they're confronting, doing our best to make sure that no talents miss through there. Uh, we've got some some exciting players in the junior rep squads that have come through. Uh, we've got good staff appointments in there. So uh, we've, every player, every player in our uh, program has got a wellbeing plan in place. So there's a lot of things that are happening um, 
you know, at the level, I guess, the pre-elite, when I say the pre-elite, the pre-NRL or NRLW. But when it comes to that, uh, I'm just so excited about the, the talent, the desire, the connectedness we've got in our squads. It'll uh, give our fans plenty, plenty to cheer for this year, without doubt. That's a great way to sign off, Mark. And I'd like to say thank you for coming on to the tip sheet and giving us such a, a long slice of your valuable time. I know Sixy's mentioned it's a more of a case of how many hours can you fit into a day as the general manager of football operations. But uh, I don't think uh, us at the TCT and the tip sheet could have kicked off the 2022 season in a, a better way than having you on for a, a sort of almost state of the league type sit down to run uh, through the club from top to bottom so thank you mate for coming on and, and illuminating us on those various issues um, i hope you no enjoyed worries. your time here mate i certainly did john thanks for having me guys and, and thanks for all the wonderful work you do for us as a club and our people much appreciated no worries and hopefully yeah. there's plenty to look forward to as we mentioned from the nrl the nrlw right through to all the lower grade stuff there is a lot to be excited for this year at the Parramatta Reels. so stay tuned thanks mark thanks guys Well, once again, our thanks to Mark O'Neill for joining us there. We really enjoyed being able to have have that chat with him and and just get a bit of a background as to what's been going on at the Eels over this incredibly busy period for the club. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it and uh, we thank you for joining us for our very first tip sheet podcast for 2022. It's a busy period coming up, mate. Yeah, very, very busy um, next week's going to be pretty busy for the podcast. Going to get into a big preview or a wrap up of the uh, junior reps uh, preseason into a preview for their week one action. Um, that's happening on the fifth of February for their round one games. Got plenty of NRLW stuff to start talking about because I believe they're going to be having a, a, a big sort of gear up as they head towards their preseason. So lots of stuff to cover there. Obviously, NRL stuff as it develops, we'll be talking about too. But yeah, we're really excited, mate, because this is a massive, massive sort of February, March period now uh, for the club. And mate, we're we're better to have your journey as a Parramatta supporter than alongside the Cumberland throw. Uh, please stand, uh, stick with us for all the training reports, the coverage of junior reps that that NRLW season, everything that's related to Parramatta, if it's about the Eels, that's where you get it in the Cumberland throw. Amen, brother. As always, thanks for stopping by and listening. We've uh, kind of set the bar a little bit high for the start of the 2022 season. It's not always you get to sit down with the general manager of football and uh, discuss what's happened, what's happening, where we're going. But uh, it's a fantastic way to kick off the season and it's uh, uh, what we hope a trendsetter for us in the upcoming year. So as always, thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next week with a big podcast. Like we said, see ya.